Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Fiction Podcast, and I, of course, am the voice and soul of so-called fiction, your host, the one and only, Johnny the Gentile Profita. And, oh my God, oh my God, it's Tuesday, and, you know, not my favorite day of the week by any means, and today was certainly no exception. I, yeah, just one of those days where... Every little thing just drives you crazy, and everything just goes wrong, and it's one thing after another, even just uh, right before the show, (sighs) something very frustrating happened, I won't bore you with the details, but then I just spent, you know, the last 40 minutes trying to work out a sound issue, I don't know, you may have noticed that maybe the last episode or two, the sound quality is not where I would like it to be. And there was this little buzzing noise going on in the background. I didn't notice it until I went back and listened to my last episode where it you get like this buzzing noise where you start talking and then it goes away when you stop talking. And I couldn't figure out what was causing it. And I, I just spent the last 40 minutes messing with things. All, all my audio levels and my mic uh, settings and everything like that to try to figure out the mic was running hot and what was causing it and my headphone levels. and Jesus Christ, man. Audio equipment is a fickle, fickle beast. And it just, I mean, it, it doesn't help that I'm just technologically completely retarded. But there's all sorts of little issues that that come up like this, and you just have to mess around with them until you get it right. And this happens from time to time, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I just put my hand on my desk, and I noticed that it was vibrating. Now, what the hell is causing this vibrating? Well, it was my computer tower. See, I moved the desk a little bit. I was doing some rearranging in this room, and I moved the desk about an inch away from the wall. And that pressed it up against the computer tower. And the the running of the computer tower was reverberating throughout the entire desk. And it was causing that buzzing noise in my microphone. I think I got it fixed. Jesus Christ, that was very frustrating, among other things. And now i got to pause this to listen to make sure it's not doing it. Hang on. Okay, I think I fixed it. I think I have this problem solved after unplugging things, plugging them back in, changing the level on this dial, changing the level on that dial, changing my headphone level, 
uh, messing with the volume settings on the actual computer for the microphone. <sighs> anyway, not my not my best day. <laughs> Long story short, I've had better days, and hopefully. This will at least sound fantastic, even if it is just me complaining for the next 40 minutes about how much this day sucked, but it won't be uh, sucking with audio issues anymore. But you know what they say, the show must go on. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, we just had Martin Luther King Day and a much hype gun rally or gun rights rally over in Virginia and this got all kinds of media attention all kinds of media hype and so I thought I would give my thoughts on that whole situation and it really is just <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say about just the way the media covers these events and the the lead up to these events, the the propaganda you get coming out of the government, coming out of the corporate press, the catalyst for all of this was this. Well, so Virginia has recently flipped from a Republican state to a Democrat state, and the Virginia State Senate has passed these three gun bills that are now being sent to the House for consideration. And if they were to pass these three bills, it would go from one of the more lax states in terms of gun control and gun control legislation to one of the most oppressive, one of the strictest uh, places for firearm, firearm ownership in America. I think it would put it close to New Jersey from a legal standpoint. You know, they actually had, I think they proposed four bills, and only three of them got Senate approval. The fourth one, the one that was struck from the record, was probably the most controversial, and it was what's being, you know, deemed the, the boogaloo bill. You know, boogaloo is a, is a term in, you know, libertarian, anarchist, maybe in right-wing uh, sort of circles for a civil war or another American revolution or something like that where the people rise up against either an oppressive government or it, it just um, the other political party that's trying to oppress them. So this bill included a ban on a so-called assault weapons, high-capacity magazines, bump stocks, and silencers. And the governor, Northam, a real piece of work... <laughs> Let it. This is the guy that you know. He was either in blackface or a KKK outfit for Halloween one year. We just in the one of his yearbooks. We just you know we don't know which one. He he won't cop to either of them. He he cops to being in the picture, but he won't tell us which one of those he is. Uh, doesn't like his choices, I guess, between blackface and KKK. He's also the governor who doesn't see uh, a big problem with post-birth abortions. Uh, this was the guy that was fine with people giving birth and then, you know, having a, making the, the baby comfortable while the mother and doctor discuss whether or not they're going to kill it. And, and apparently, you know, he was fine with that. <laughs> but bump stocks, uh, that that's a bridge too far. But anyway, he made it 
very well known that this bill meant that anyone in possession of those types of weapons or accessories would be subject to confiscation and, uh, you know, thrown in a cage, basically. So, as you would expect, Virginia gun owners immediately started planning how they were going to respond to this, and they came up with this protest. And so, for the last few days leading up to this protest, there was all this... Uh, propaganda and media hype about how this is a, a big white nationalist movement and all these Nazis are going to be roving the streets with guns. And and the governor, Governor Northam, he, had, he declared a state of emergency in response to the, this protest being formed, claiming that officials had heard reports out of various sources that out-of-state militia groups and hate groups were planning to travel across the country to disrupt our democratic process, and they were going to be violent, and there would be roving bands of white supremacists and white nationalists, and uh, there's uh, just raising concerns of deadly violence and all this stuff. And they kept uh, uh, harping back to Charlottesville, tying everything back to Charlottesville. Oh, we don't want another Charlottesville. We can't have another Charlottesville. It was almost as if they were trying to will it into existence because you know that there's nothing more that the the left in America wants that the, the, the people who are pushing gun control, like this governor, like all of these anti-Second Amendment groups, there's nothing more that they would like than to have another Charlottesville that they can harp on for another four years or whatever it is and just never let it go. And then, of course, they can use it to justify all sorts of additional infringements on your constitutionally protected rights. And now look, I mean, the difference between this and Charlottesville is night and day. I I mean, okay, yes, one person was tragically killed in Charlottesville, but that that whole situation was essentially orchestrated by the cops that were there, the government agents who were who were there supposedly to keep the peace. Right. You had a really small you had like a couple hundred of these alt right, unite the right, whatever white nationalists marching around looking like idiots. And then you had a ton of Antifa show up and confront them. And when the uh, alt-right people tried to sort of get out of that situation and keep walking, the cops turned them around and made them walk back through the Antifa. They basically created a confrontation. There was all kinds of chaos going on. And yes, in that chaos, uh, uh, that, that one kid ran over that girl with his car to equate that group, the Unite the Right group, these alt-right guys with... Uh, all these people that were at this rally that just want to protect their constitutional Second Amendment right, uh, to me, is, is a little ridiculous. And just all the hype and fear-mongering that led up to this, they're going to paint anybody who is pro-Second Amendment, no matter what, you're going to be painted as you know this racist, white supremacist, a radical militia. They have to paint you as villains. And then, of course, the we have the they have the rally, and nothing happened. 
at nothing. It was like the most peaceful rally of all time. Even though all these guys are carrying around guns, open carry, assault weapons, it's almost as if the guns don't kill people. It's the, the, the people behind the guns are the ones doing the killing. But apparently you can get thousands of people together, much bigger group of people than in Charlottesville, by the way, thousands of people openly carrying these uh, military-style weapons, and not not one round is fired. Uh, nobody's hurt. There's no confrontations. There's no nothing. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that the, the government didn't have some sort of plant in there to instigate something so that they could use it as a pretense to take away more of their gun rights. That wouldn't surprise me in the least. But there wasn't even that. Uh, we didn't even have to come up with that conspiracy theory because it was an entirely peaceful process. Uh, they just they just exercised their 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 right to peacefully protest. And I know this will come as a shock to a lot of anti Second Amendment people, people that are freaked out by guns just in general. You you can walk around and carry a gun and not be overcome with this urge to use it. <laughs> Like that that seems to be the a big fear among people not familiar with firearms is that the second you get a gun in your hand, you just have to start pointing it at things and pulling the trigger. It's hard to believe, I know. Equally hard to believe, despite this media portrayal of these roving bands of Nazis going around, you look at the pictures and some of the videos that people posted on social media, I, there's all kinds of groups there. Yeah, you did have some militia groups. You had some like ex-military guys. You had just old like white Second Amendment guys. You had Black Guns Matter there. You had a you had a bunch of um, minority represented groups there, and they're all getting along just fine. There was no problem. Uh, there there was no conflict there whatsoever. It's shocking, you know. I'm sure we'll get an apology for the media from trying to to instigate or stir this pot to to try to get it to boil over. You know, they they they're just so dishonest in their coverage of it. If you compare it to the coverage of any like any right wing protest, always gets painted as as one of these like radical white nationalist things that we're afraid it's going to be violent like it's going to be mayhem people are going to be dying in the streets and then nothing happens they like clean up after themselves i saw pictures of guys scraping you know stickers and stuff that got stuck to the street just like picking up after themselves and things like that contrast that with the antifa protests where you have these guys throwing trash cans through businesses, front windows, lighting things on fire, smashing people over the head with bike locks, blocking traffic, kicking cars, punching people, assaulting people. And it's just like, uh, okay, which one of these, which one of these groups is the violent one? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sorry, like, and and you see the the way the media portrays it it's it's insane it, they'll call what i just described you know mostly peaceful pro protests that's what the headline reads it's like oh antifa in a mostly like two people shot in a mostly peaceful antifa protest or whatever like one building burned four businesses destroyed in mostly peaceful uh antifa protests 
And then you, you contrast that with how they cover something like this with the, the guns right there, where nobody was hurt. There was no altercations or anything like that. And you get things like, despite anger, threats of insurrection, the protest ends peacefully. Virginia pro-gun rally reveals extremist tactics. That was from CNN. It really is unbelievable. And then this Governor Northam, Ralph Northam, has the gall to come out after he hypes this whole thing up and tries to get stir everybody into this frenzy, declaring a state of emergency. He comes out yesterday, we're thankful today passed without incident. The team successfully de-escalated what could have been a volatile situation. I will continue to listen to the voices of Virginians and we'll do everything, blah, 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 blah. Uh, de-escalated what he escalated in the first place. There was nothing to de-escalate if he had just shut his mouth and known his role. Uh, but he, he created this whole situation that needed to be de-escalated and then pats himself on the back for de-escalating it. Get the hell out of here, man. Get out of here. Ugh, God, I can't stand that guy. So anyway, that that's sort of what happened yesterday. It ended up being much ado about nothing. It was just another peaceful protest of people walking around open carrying. I think the larger issue here, which... I don't understand why more people in America don't find issues with these red flag laws. The idea that the state can just strip you of your constitutional rights by declaring you a danger to yourself or others or you're a threat, that they can do that with no due process, no nothing, that they can just strip you of your constitutional rights, how is that... How do people not see the danger in that? I mean, they're basically coming right out and telling you that the Constitution means nothing, that none of those things on that piece of paper are, are going to stop us from doing what we want to do. We're just going to do it because we're the government. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's basically the same stuff they do with their foreign policy. They just determine, they determine that you're a threat and then they bombed the bejesus out of you, right? I mean, that's what we did in Iran. That's what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan and Libya. Just like, oh, oh, you're a threat to uh, American interests, and so now we're going to discipline you, right? I mean, if they can just do that to uh, a constitutionally guaranteed right, I mean, what's to stop them from doing it to any of the other constitutionally guaranteed rights that they find inconvenient to the empire or that get in their way somehow? And this may come as a shock to some people that the, the words on the paper, the, these politicians aren't going to pay any attention to it. But you know what they might pay attention to? A bunch of people walking around with guns. That seems to get their attention, doesn't it? It's almost as if the Second Amendment is the one that keeps all the other amendments from just being ripped up and pissed on by these politicians. I mean, this is the one, the, the importance of the Second Amendment is that it protects all the other amendments from being infringed upon by these governments. The governments fear an armed citizenry, okay? An armed population, their citizens. An unarmed population, their subjects. And it, it's no coincidence that they always want to take away the guns. And, and you can just see the way that the dynamic changes between the state, and the, the populace 
the rest of the people when they're walking around open carrying. I mean, it gets it gives you a very different vibe when you're watching these protests. It, even if there's just people walking down the street, but they're carrying a gun, like you get a completely different feeling. I had a buddy of mine, you know, he sent me this video. He's like, I feel really uncomfortable about this. And I was like, I, I think that's kind of the idea is to make the government uncomfortable to let them know that, hey, you know, we're not just going to let you roll over us. And I saw another guy on, um, I think it was on Twitter, posted this meme. And I've seen this meme a, a bunch of times. It's a great libertarian meme. There's these these kids that are protesting. There's students, I, I think college kids, that are sitting down on the ground. They're sort of locked arms protesting. And there's this cop that just sort of walks by him all nonchalantly and is spraying pepper spray like four inches from their face right into their faces. And the meme is always in libertarian circles. It's always got like an arrow pointing to the college kids saying like, oh, you know, these kids want more government. And then another arrow pointing at the cop with the pepper spray saying more government. Like, here's your more government right in the face. And, and this guy posted it, and he's like, yeah, we're not going to be seeing any of this today. And you didn't. You're goddamn right you didn't see the cops just uh, uh, abusing people and, and, and firing uh, tear gas at them or uh, pepper spray in their face or just beating them with batons or anything like that. No, no, no. You saw mutual respect. All of a sudden, when the people are walking around with their assault rifles, even though that's not really a thing, when they've got them, all of a sudden now the government takes a step back and, and gives you a little, a little more respect. You see it, it instantaneously changes the dynamic there. And I just can't imagine uh, uh, people, maybe some, somebody can enlighten me, how you, you're okay with this constitutionally protected right just being... Uh, wiped away by government decree with no due process, no ruling, no nothing, no amendment to the Constitution. They just said, oh, no, we're, we're just going to change that, and you don't have a say in it. And then we get to declare you a threat. I mean, they can use any criteria you want. They could declare me a threat to the state because of this podcast, and then they can come take all my guns away. I mean, they could do whatever they want if we allow them to do it. And that's why it's important that people like the ones that went to this rally are, are prepared to put their foot down and say, uh, no, that's, that's not going to happen here because we are allowed to defend ourselves. The other thing that sort of jumped out at me when I was watching all of this go down and, and reading articles on it and things like that is that you know there were all these groups of, there was at least one group of cops that, that were there, that were holding this big sign that says, like, we support the Constitution or we support the Second Amendment. And um, I don't know, I just found it sort of ridiculous and somewhat hilarious that cops support the Constitution all of a sudden. It's almost as ridiculous as all these left-wing politicians getting up there and saying that they support the Constitution, that, that this impeachment is all about the Constitution, and yada, yada. Well, their entire platform is it basically goes against everything the Constitution stands for. I mean, when did these police officers become so concerned with our constitutional rights? Uh, from what I've seen, 
They're constantly violating our constitutional rights every chance they get. And name any amendment, and and I'll give you a, a cop that violates them. I mean, even just to have these protests, we had to, uh, or I keep saying we, <laughs> they had to go pull permits. They had to go down to City Hall and get a permit. They had to ask permission to peaceably assemble. Uh, isn't that part of the First Amendment right? Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of people to peaceably assemble and petition their government for a redress of grievances. So what's this whole permit process that we have to go and, and pull a permit? And I guarantee you the Virginia Constitution has something along those lines too that says like there will be no law abridging the people's freedom to peaceably assemble or something like that uh, okay so what's going to happen if a group like this gets together doesn't get permission from their wise overlords in washington who do you think is going to be enforcing uh, the the state's mandate for a, a permit who do you think is going to be cracking some skulls or um, breaking up that peaceable assembly? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, it would be the cops. It would be those cops that are all for uh, our constitutional rights. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, uh, my God, don't even get me started on the, on the Fourth Amendment. I mean, they have completely destroyed that. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath of or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Well, apparently that that entire amendment just goes out the window if a cop uh, apparently smells marijuana, right? Or they just decide to put up a DUI checkpoint. Or what about civil asset forfeiture? You don't even have to be convicted of a crime. You could just be a suspect, and local law enforcement can seize your bank accounts. They can take your house. Anything that they deem to be part of a criminal conspiracy, or, or, or involved with drugs somehow, uh, anything that they could tie to drugs. I just saw a story the other day where this older guy, you know, he was starting to lose it, and he'd been keeping his life savings in his house, like 80 grand in cash in his house, and he, he's starting to lose his faculties, so he gives the money to his daughter to go open up a joint bank account. She takes, She tries to fly home with the money to do that, and it gets confiscated. By the TSA. That yeah, could have been drug money. They, I guess they called the, the old man and, and his story didn't match her story. You know, he's an old man. He's confused, like Uncle Leo. <laughs> right? But uh, they just take the 80 grand and, and that's it. Do you get it back? Maybe. Maybe you get it back if you can prove your case. Then you can sort of make, try to strike a deal with them. I've, I've seen them confiscate uh, a lot of farmers you know, that, that work at these, uh, uh, the farmer's markets, right? Yeah, every weekend they have a farmer's market. They make like less than 10 grand. They make five grand every Saturday. So every, every Monday morning, these farmers are depositing like less than $10,000 in, into their bank account. Well, according to the anti-money laundering provisions of the Patriot Act, 
the most unpatriotic piece of legislation the world has ever seen, that gets construed as drug dealing activity because they have anything under 10,000 has to be reported to the IRS. So it looks like uh, maybe you're a drug dealer, maybe you're just trying to not pay taxes on that income. So anything so even if the the law says there's there's nothing wrong with making deposits of regular deposits of less than 10,000, it's suspicious now because anything over 10,000 you have to report to the IRS. So now it looks like you're trying to avoid the IRS or you have a, a drug business going on because you're making all these cash deposits regularly. And so they can just seize your bank account. And they've just stolen people's farms, essentially. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, their life savings. They just take it. No due process, no nothing. Uh, who do you think's enforcing those, those rules? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's the cops. It's the cops that pretend to be uh, all for the Constitution all of a sudden. Do you know that in—I saw this in an article I was reading the other day. In 2014, the property taken from individuals by law enforcement was greater than all the burglaries by all the criminals combined in that year. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, of course, they get to use those everything that they seize for their own benefits— so I find it so hilarious when I, I talk about private policing and, and, and people freak out about it. Like, we have to have the government so that we don't get stolen from. Well, I present to you 2014, where the government stole more property than all the other criminals combined. Shocking. And, and now they want me to trust them with my Second Amendment rights? Now they want me to just let them determine whether or not I can have a gun? I don't think so. I'm sorry, that's not happening. And by the way, who's going to be enforcing all the gun laws? It's the cops. Even if these guys with their stupid Second Amendment sign uh, aren't going to enforce it. And I mean, God bless uh, the, the few police chiefs out there that have come out and said, like, you know, I am not going to enforce these these laws. And we do need that on the state level. We do need nullification. It, it is the only uh, chance that we have left at this point at, at preserving some of these rights. But at some point, you know, if you as a police officer are not going to enforce the laws that the state wants you to, they're just going to put somebody in there who will. Uh, they'll get new police officers. Like the only reason that you are a police officer right now is because you will do what they tell you to do. The second you stop doing that, they'll replace you with somebody who will follow orders. That's the way it always works. Now, sheriffs is somewhat of a different story because usually a sheriff is an elected official. They have to get elected by the people. They're not usually hired or appointed. I don't think, I don't know if that works on every, in every county. But the vast majority of sheriffs are elected, but they only get to do a county in their state. So it's going to take an awful lot of sheriffs to, to nullify a, a state law. Anyway, that's great that they support the Second Amendment. But you don't just get to pick and choose which amendments you want to support. You either support the Constitution or you don't. You don't get to just be like, well, you know, uh, I like the First Amendment and the Sixth Amendment and this, maybe the Second Three, four, five, like I, I could take it or leave though. No, no, that's not the way this works, okay? Not when you're a government agent and you're sworn to uphold it. 
Um, and then the, the whole other thing with, with gun control and the history of it, it, it always baffles me. And maybe it's just an ignorance on the part of, of most American people who support gun control. They always try to make this about white supremacists. You know, there are all these crazy Nazis running around and they're coming after you or they, they want to create this ethno state, which is, I mean, even th this rally was evidence of it's all complete bullshit. But even if it were true, even if that was true and America was chocked full of these racist white nationalists armed to the teeth and they were hell bent on creating a, a an ethno state right wouldn't minorities black and brown people shouldn't they be the most avid objectors to gun control legislation then because don't they want to be able to defend themselves i, I mean guns are the great equalizer how are you going to keep all of these kkk guys at bay if you can't arm yourself are you going to depend on the government Again, uh, not a great history there. And the original gun control laws, I mean, they were designed, specifically designed and aimed at controlling and subjugating a population. Which was, you disarm them. And who were they trying to disarm? Well, black people, Indians, the slaves, you know, keep them enslaved, take away their right to defend themselves. There, there is a really racist history of gun control. It's the same thing with um, the roots of the minimum wage. It was designed to prevent low-skilled black labor from undercutting white workers. Well, this is the same uh, a type of historical roots in gun control. It was designed and it was aimed at eliminating the right of black people to defend themselves and Indians to defend themselves. I mean, prior to the 14th Amendment, there were something like 11 or 12 states that criminalized possession of firearms for non-white uh, non free citizens. So black people who were free were not allowed to, to legally possess guns. And a, a few other states had it exclusively reserved for white men. And they had, to, if they wanted to maintain the horrific institution of slavery, you have to keep them disarmed. And then even after the 14th Amendment, they came up with all sorts of ways of working language into these, these sorts of bills and these laws and stuff to, for all intents and purposes, make it illegal for black people to, to carry, conceal, own firearms, get licenses, things like that. But the vast majority of the initial gun control measures were all racially motivated, and they were racially motivated to empower white people at the expense of black people. I, I don't understand why. I mean, there were definitely a, a good amount of, of black people at this rally, but the vast majority of black people vote Democrat, and the Democratic platform seems to be a very anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment platform. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You would think that they would be the, the biggest advocates for being able to defend themselves, given the historical documented oppression that they've faced. It's almost like a case of Stockholm Syndrome. The government has done an unbelievable job of convincing the African-American community, that they have their best interest at heart when they never have. 
even in today's society. I mean, who suffers the most because of these gun control laws? I mean, I mean what groups of people? I mean, obviously, obviously it's black and brown people in poor inner city gang ridden neighborhoods, right? They get the harsher penalties. They are generally targeted more by law enforcement. And since they're poor, they're in the worst possible position to defend themselves in the government-controlled court systems. They've allowed lawyers to essentially hijack it and institute a system where you have to be very, very wealthy in order to properly defend yourself. So, I mean, if the government successfully passes all these red flag laws, which neighborhoods do you think they're going to go into first and start knocking down doors and confiscating weapons? Maybe killing you or throwing you in a cage if you resist. You think it's going to be in the bougie, predominantly white neighborhoods, in the suburbs and, and things like that? Or do you think it's going to start where it always does, with the poor people, the defenseless people, the poor minorities in neighborhoods nobody really cares about? So now, even if you have poor, vulnerable people in bad neighborhoods, want to exercise what little freedom they have left, take responsibility for things like their self-defense, to not be dependent on a government to come to their aid. They want to take personal responsibility for their self-defense. They don't want to be dependent on a government to come to their aid when somebody breaks into their house. And what's the government's response? Uh, no, no, we, we can't have that. You can't eliminate that middleman. You have to call us and wait for the government guys to come with their guns. It's for your own good, after all, don't you know? It's for your safety. I don't think so. I mean, I forget. How is the policing in poor black neighborhoods in America? It's as good as the rich white neighborhoods, right? That's how all this works. All the policing is equal. I've, I've never heard the ACLU complaining about poor response times or lack of uh, dedicated resources and officers to certain neighborhoods. No, no. Oh, oh it's all fine. Hey, you just sit there, you make your phone call, and you wait. A cop will be there just in time to uh, draw a chalk line around your body and write up some notes on his little notepad there. So in essence, you know, some of the people that are in the most dire need of being able to defend themselves and their families and their loved ones or whatever are the first ones that will be stripped of their right to do so. Furthering their dependence on a government that seems, from every indication determined to just keep them shackled up. Uh, this is just one more example in a long documented history of oppression and dependence. Now, of course, it's never framed that way. Every time the government takes away some of your natural rights, they frame it in a way that makes it seem as though it's in your best interest. But it's not, and it never is. It's in their interest. The people operate in their own self-interest. And believe me, nobody cares about you less than a politician. I mean, we just had we just had Martin Luther King Day yesterday, and you know, he's this big civil rights figure. He's lionized in today's society. And but and part of that's for very good reason. You know, I guess I can set aside the fact that he was a socialist <laughs> and sort of like a womanizer and and focus on on the good ideas that he had and and the message that he had I think was a positive one uh, one that should be more embraced today than it actually is and Martin Luther King had sort of a mixed 
I, I, I don't know. He had a uh, on again, off again relationship with when it came to firearms. You know, he had he was definitely known as a uh, a peaceful, nonviolent person. Right, that was his whole thing was was not to be violent. But after his house was attacked, he applied for a gun permit at one point, I believe. He, he had uh, people around him with guns. So, I mean, I think on one hand, he realized that it, it could provide an important uh, element of self-defense. But on the other hand, he, he wanted to, to approach this issue in a nonviolent way. And, of course, the government wasted no time in taking advantage of his tragic death and that of uh, Kennedy when, when Kennedy was assassinated to enact some more gun control laws. Right? Never let a crisis go to waste. But whether he would agree with this or not, I don't see how you can deny that the right to defend yourself, the right to possess firearms, is paramount to being able to be free, to, to be free from oppression. And I don't know, if I, I think if Martin Luther King was alive today and he was looking back at the result of some of these things that came out of the, the civil rights era, uh, all of these government policies that came about, I, I think if he looked at the results, he would be disappointed, to say the least. If you look at the effect of the whole civil rights era and all of these government programs, Lyndon Johnson's Great Society, and all this stuff that came out of the 60s, all of these programs have just gotten poor people minorities more and more dependent on the government for their livelihood. It's essentially just a different form of oppression. It's not overt oppression. It's sort of covert oppression. They've gotten them dependent on government programs for their monthly stipend and their food supply. They've gotten them dependent on government programs to take care of their children, to educate, quote-unquote, educate their children. They've destroyed their job prospects thanks to things like the minimum wage. That was by design, like I said. Um, they've destroyed the family structure thanks to welfare programs and the war on drugs. They've systematically dismantled the black community through all of these government programs designed to create dependence on the state and basically absolve people of personal responsibility and any sense of community. I mean, this has been as big of a disaster to the black community than just about anything, and it's all done by these rich, white elites, all these elitists in Washington and on the coasts that claim, you know, they want to help the poor and they want to help minorities. And who knows, you know, maybe some of them do. Maybe some of them actually do. They could have the greatest intentions in the world. But so what? I intentions don't mean shit. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. You have to look at the results and evaluate these policies based on that. The results are what matter. I don't care about your intentions. I care about what happens as a result of all these policies that your great intentions brought to these people. But, but see, they always want to be graded on how noble and great their intentions are. And that's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, there really is something to this old saying of being very afraid when the government shows up and says they're going to help you. I mean, look out. Look at what they've done to people over the years. And it's like uh, Harry Brown used to say. 
he was uh, Harry Brown for anybody who doesn't know. He was the libertarian uh, presidential nominee in I think 96, 1996 and then again in 2003. I think I got those dates right. He he was famous for saying that the government is great at one thing. It's great at breaking your legs, handing you a crutch and then saying, "See, if it weren't for the government, you wouldn't be able to walk." And they've essentially crippled everybody now. It's not just the the black community or minorities or or poor people. Everyone is looking toward the government to provide them with things now. Everyone. Now we've got a whole new generation of people that are looking toward the government to provide them with health care for their entire lives, pay for their college education, to provide them with jobs, to provide them with housing. Everyone is looking toward the government for these things now. Nobody thinks they can walk without the government crutches. And it might make you feel safer on the surface if you depend on the government to provide you with all of the things you need to live a, a, a happy, comfortable life. Healthcare, housing, education. It might seem like that's the safe play. And it might seem like it's safe to depend on them for your safety. But it's not. One of the other things the government is great at doing, other than breaking your legs, is creating a false sense of security. Go back and listen to my prior episodes on how insolvent all of these uh, entitlements and programs that we're depending on for our futures, our future livelihoods, how just how insolvent they are. The safest position you can put yourself in is when you control your, your own destiny, when you control your finances, when you control your education, your housing situation. You don't want to be dependent on others. You definitely don't want to be dependent on politicians. And you certainly, the last thing you want to do is be dependent on government, the, the burglars who stole more than the, all the other crooks and criminals combined in 2014, the most violent, oppressive institution on the face of the earth for your self-defense. So while it's very easy for all these well-protected politicians and celebrities and billionaires to champion the cause of gun control, it's important to remember that the history of this type of legislation has come at the expense of the most vulnerable people in society. And an unarmed populace is always easier to victimize than one that is armed. Guys, if you like the show today, I need you to do a couple things for me. Go and give me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. Share this episode with two people that you know that you might think would enjoy it. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. And if you want to donate to the show, you can always do that at PedalingFictionPodcast.com. And if you can do all that, I will be back later this week to do it all over again. Until then, just remember, keep on pedaling that so-called fiction.